0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com.
1: Murray quarterback run to the left he's at the 20 to the 15 to the 10 Murray's gonna score touchdown
2: welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report
1: slam to the ground by Buda Baker. like a torpedo he came flying into the backfield Connor to the 10 to the 5 and into the end zone for the touchdown
2: the Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals podcast visit azcardinals.com slash podcast
1: Here we go One-handed catch and a touchdown Oh baby! How's that feel?
2: Here's Craig Grealou and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch
3: Well, we have taken the show on the road here at State Farm Stadium for Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. It is officially the sixth day of practice, Kyle, but as our colleague Ron Wolfley likes to say, and I'm sure you're in agreement as well, this, talking about Tuesday, August 2nd, really the first day because the pads were on for this morning's practice, and there was a noticeable
4: uptick intensity on both sides of the ball today. Absolutely. It's what I was hoping to see. Um, you know, it's to to me and to a lot of players, the first day of pads is, is the best. You've been waiting so long for this. Um, and really, um, you know, it's, it's a different evaluation. So many of these players... Um, can do some incredible things, look amazing when you're running around with just a helmet and shorts and, and no pads. But, um, look, the game of football is a physical sport. Um, it, you know, you want to see which players continue to play fast and are able to make plays and do some things once the pads come on. And, um, yeah, you know, I was I was hoping to see uh, some of that fiery attitude that we saw today. Um, you know, there was a few skirmishes, if you want to call them that. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, You know, I had hoped um, this team would come out like that, would be disappointed with the way last season um, ended and have a sense of urgency. And I think we saw all of those things today.
3: Well, a couple of those skirmishes involved Isaiah Simmons and DeAndre Hopkins, the biggest battle, if you will, J.J. Watt and Will Hernandez. And you kind of look for positives when that happens because no one backs down. Yet, from all indications, this is the first opportunity for a lot of fans to kind of familiarize themselves with what we hope is going to be your starting right guard and Will Hernandez. And that man does not move backwards. He stood up toe-to-toe with J.J. Watt and some guys, well, several players had to get involved and separate those two. But, again, this is what happens when you get into week two, week three of training camp. It's all good. And as you said, because we were standing on the sideline,
4: does it continue now into the locker room? and your response is no absolutely not uh i mean it's, it's just what happens you're you're competing um nobody wants him to get the best of them sometimes you know your emotions get out of control We you go back to the locker room um you know you're you all still have the same goal um you're all working together toward that goal and, and your teammates and friends and um, you forget about it i mean that I, I mean honestly um you know i've been in fights where it's it was pretty brutal, but you walk to the sideline, and you put your arm around the guy, and um, you understand what it's about. There's no hate or dislike for another player. It's it's you're all working toward the same thing. And um, quite honestly, um, you know, as a coach, you hate seeing your best players and your leaders get in a fight like J.J. Watt. But at the same time, you know, we've got so many young players on this roster that are looking to J.J. Watt to understand how to practice and what type of intensity you need to bring every day and, and what type of attitude you need to have, and I think it's good for those players to see that.
3: For the record, publicly, had Coach Cliff Kingsbury not happy with how this morning's practice and in fact they had to end practice a little earlier than scheduled because of what was going on between the offense and defense but hey that's going to happen during the course of training camp let's jump into the biggest news so far here in training camp powered by cox and that involves your starting quarterback Kyler murray here's head coach cliff kingsbury
5: he tested positive for COVID, so he will be out the minimum of five days. But the symptoms are minor as of now, luckily. And so we will uh, we'll be monitoring that. I haven't talked to him since he tested positive, just text back and forth. But I, I know it's nothing major.
3: The latest on that, according to the head coach, Kyler is feeling better. In fact, we had a chance to hear from tight end Trey McBride. And Kyler Murray is still being involved via Zoom in offensive and team meetings. So that is good. But, hey. We're still involved in this pandemic, and it's going to happen. It happened in Seattle. Head coach Pete Carroll tested positive. It's all about making sure you take care of yourself and at the same time make sure you're not infecting others. But this is going to happen, and if it's going to happen now, better now than week one.
4: Yeah, I guess that's the bright side. And um, Like you said, Um, you know, everybody was excited about training camp and and, and it kind of becomes a back burner issue. You haven't really thought about COVID for a while and it's going to rear its head, you know, at points in this season. And and again, it will be the teams that have depth and that adapt the best that will um, be able to overcome it the best. But, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate. Um, You know, we all know. And we've said over and over that this team goes as far as Kyler Murray can take them, and he's the guy you need there in practice, and he'll be the guy you need by, under center for games. Um, you know, hopefully it'll be 17, um, but you know this is the reality, and we saw some of that reality last year when your when your best players and your key players go down, your team needs to adapt. So this team needs to move forward. Uh, fortunately, um, you know, with how things went through COVID. Things have changed. Like you said, Kyler Murray is still able to be a part of the team. He's able to sit in with Zoom meetings, which, you know, was a large degree what what teams had to do over the last couple of years. Um, So it's not like it used to be where you go home and you sit in your room and you have no contact with the team. You're still able to be involved. You're able to be a part of the install. You're able to, um, you know, have conversations with the other quarterbacks and the coach about how things are going and how things look and and what things you like and what things you don't like. So um, it could be, you know, while it's unfortunate, um, like you said, the timing we're still kind of at the beginning of training camp, Um, it, it could be worse.
3: So five days at minimum. Of course, there's an opportunity for Kyler to return earlier if he tests negative. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury on the NFL Network on Monday talking about now without Kyler Murray in practice what it means for the rest of the team.
5: I think any of the days that you don't get to be out there and building that chemistry with your guys is, is tough. Obviously, him going into year four, same system, he's very comfortable with the communication, you know, the, the knowledge of, of where to go with the football. But yeah, anytime you can build a relationship, particularly getting Hollywood in here, you would like to see them get some work. But I'm uh, just part of the game in, in this day and age.
3: Certainly not great, but again, you hope that Kyler Murray is back sooner rather than later. More reps for Colt McCoy, more reps for Trace McSorley. More from the head coach on NFL Network on adjusting the schedule without Kyler Murray.
5: There's definitely some key concepts that are maybe based on what he can do as a quarterback, athleticism-wise, or concepts he loves that that we'll back up um, in our install and, and get him hit whenever he's back what do
3: we say kyle it's all about adjusting to the adjustments and coaches are used to this because at any moment there could be that knock on the door or something happens and you have to go All right we'll go to plan b plan c so not that anyone likes this but i think everyone is used to this meaning having plans change
4: yeah and i think you know listening to coach kingsbury over the last few months um talk about um, how he wished he would have made more adjustments when deandre hopkins went down last year where Um, We just thought we could plug in different guys and still keep running some of the same plays and some of the same concepts, and he wishes he would have um, adjusted more. So I think if there's any staff that's really um, focusing in on, okay, what are our contingency plans if this player goes down or if this player is not available this week, um, it would be this staff. And, um, you know, you – Again, it's it's not the best-case scenario, but there is benefits. Like you said, you've got um, other players that are getting more reps, other quarterbacks that are getting more reps in this system. You know, hopefully their number is not called upon this year, but if it is, you would like to see the same thing that happened last year where the team can win some games if Kyler Murray is not in the lineup. So, um, you know, there is some benefits to it. And, again, um, it's it's not – it's not the worst case scenario. I mean I'm sure as soon as this practice was over, I'm sure Kyler Murray was able to get the practice film. He's able to see it, he's able to be a part of everything. So um, you know, it'll be—it's just a small blip, and the team will bounce back. And and once he gets back, be able to just continue with the install.
3: Some other notes from Cardinals training camp, powered by Cox. D.J. Humphreys remains out. He is sick, non-COVID related. Hopefully, by the end of the week, he'll be able to return. Justin Murray, your offensive lineman, is dealing with an ankle injury. He's going to be out two to three weeks, according to the head coach. Some good news—we did have a brief sighting of Hollywood Brown on the football. Field. He has been activated off the non football injury list. Remember, he missed the first part of training camp because of a hamstring injury, and according to the head coach, they are going to slowly ramp him up. Obviously, day one in pads, he wasn't going to be a part of that, but just the fact that you have number two on the football field, and hopefully. We'll have number one and number two, Kyle, on the football field at the same time here in training camp.
4: Yeah, seeing him out there I think is a huge boost. Um, it's, it's Everybody's anxiously awaiting seeing what um, he looks like in this offense, Hollywood Brown. Um, yeah, and it's it's a smart plan. I mean, you don't just come off of a hamstring injury and go back to full work. Um, you know, there's, there, you run a risk of re-injuring it, I think, at this point. The priority um, that they have is working him back in, but in a smart way so that – hamstrings can linger and it can become a season-long issue and if you have an opportunity to make sure that hamstring is right and it's healed and it's strong going into the season you need to make a plan so that he he doesn't have any setbacks going forward
3: Hollywood Brown obviously the biggest addition to the offensive side of the ball maybe the biggest addition to the defensive side of the ball dare I say Kyle Matt Burke or is that too much praise for your good friend? I
4: don't know if it's praise, but I, I think uh, for this defense to get better, um, it, it's going to be on his plate. I think uh, more inside pressure, a better job of, of stopping the run with our inside um, guys on the defensive line I think that's that would be a huge huge benefit to this defense well we'll
3: see if the niceties continue between Kyle Vandenbosch and Matt Burke the new defensive line coach joins us on the other side as we get started here the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by seat Geek. get your seats in a seat we are live from State Farm Stadium Cardinals training camp powered by Cox Coming up next, Matt Burke joins us here to talk about the defensive line. That's next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Mitchell running straight ahead, gets dropped for a loss. J.J. Watt in the backfield with the takedown. Penetration on the backside. That is J.J. Watt, baby.
5: We have a great group of guys who work extremely hard, who are always eager to learn and work. And I mean, really, I do like our room a lot. And I think Burke's been a great addition to our room. I really like what he's bringing from a mentality standpoint. He's a very clear vision for how he wants us to play and the aggressiveness he wants us to play with. And I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to execute
3: high praise coming from J.J. Watt as we continue here on the Red Sea Reports presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. And the new defensive line coach, Matt Burke, joining us here. And, and I'm going to actually maybe turn this conversation over to you, Kyle, because I have met Coach Burke now twice. And the history between
4: you two go all the way back from when? Uh, what Was it 2004 or 2005? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, Matt Burke was with me and Tennessee um it's quite honestly, very few people I have more respect for. I mean, Coach Burke uh, worked his way up, really did some of the hard things that a lot of people don't see and don't recognize, drew up the cards, did a lot of the stuff, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff in Tennessee. And then um, when I signed with Detroit, um, Coach Burke was the linebacker coach there. Um, So really, our careers, uh, I I was with Coach Burke more than I was not with him in my pro career. So um, I just have so much respect for uh, what he brings to the game, um, his his passion and and really his intelligence he's he's one of the best. and I was excited to see this addition to this staff. Um, when I look at to me personally, How this defense can get better. A lot of it starts up front and with those guys up front and what they can do for this team. So, um, you know, I guess I'll just start with that. Um, You know, what do you see just looking back at Coach Burke, looking back at last season? um, A couple of things that stood out to me and where this team can get better was one, being more consistent, stopping the run. And a lot of that starts up front. It's not all with the guys up front, but a lot of it starts up front. And also just some of the interior pressure, and I'm sure that, that a lot of that is thrown on your plate. How do you see, um, you know, how you can help these players um, take that step and, and improve on those things?
6: Yeah, geez, man. That's now that we've buttered know, you up. I you know, that's a <laughs> way to raise the expectations. <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate you guys having me here, first off. Uh, yeah, you know, I think... Um, Going through the hiring process with with Vance, um, and you know, looking at kind of what he wanted to improve on last year, just things that he thought like a direction that he wanted to go in. Um, I think it just fit sort of with the with the, my mindset on, on coaching the D line and coaching defense, and um, you know, just trying to free those guys up a little bit and. You know, his frustrations on some guys maybe not being in gaps as much or just kind of getting slipped on some things and um, really ties in. Like I try to get guys where, and Kyle, you know, you've played in a system very similar to this where it's, You know once you're on your line and you're hitting your tracks like that's all you that's all you care about is getting off and and being disruptive and playing the backfield and kind of getting back to that mindset of controlling the game from the interior from the front um so it's it's really been you know the scheme you know schemes always evolve and vj adds and takes away and does things but Um, I think it's more technique focused um, and the techniques I'm trying to kind of get these guys to play with and almost free them up a little bit to be more aggressive and to play behind the line of scrimmage and and get TFLs and knock guys back and those sort of things. So it's it's half mindset and then sort of half technique that we're really trying to as a foundation starting with.
3: You've brought up Vance a couple of times and we talk about history between the two of you, but your history with Vance Joseph. Sure. You're the new guy on this coaching staff, but the familiar faces did it make it easier considering your background with Coach Joseph. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and
6: honestly, not just not just Vance, you know, Charlie Bolin. Uh, Rusty McKinney and I worked together Sean Jefferson this is the third staff I've been on with him Marcus Robertson was with Kyle and I in Tennessee so uh, that always helps when you've got guys that you've worked with in the past and that you have a history with and you know can speak a language and, and those sort of things and you know, we fall back on some of your history, like, oh, hey, remember that, that happened? I mean, Vijay and I have a lot of history together in Cincinnati and Miami, and so, you know, we can talk those things. Hey, remember when this happened back then and we fixed it this way or, the, you know, whatnot? So, um, definitely a comfort level with just talking to those guys and working with guys that I have a history with for sure.
3: It's still early. Pads, it is. First day of pads on Tuesday, there were a little dust, some dust ups there. Things <laughs> got physical, which fans like to see, and sure. I don't know how much the coaches like to see it. Everyone wants to make sure you stay healthy, but a week week and a half into training camp, when you look at the defensive line, there's a good mix of youth, but some veterans, especially some recent additions in that room. What have you seen as far as how everything might play out this season? Oh, yeah,
6: this is, it, today was the first day of pads. So obviously, especially up front, the D-line, like you just you don't make judgments on on playing in shorts. Um, but again, for me, uh, the work ethic and the approach these guys are taking. Um, you know, day in and day out has been a really, really, really good start. Like, I'm very impressed with these guys. Like, they're not afraid to work. Uh, they're good in the classroom. They take it from there to the field. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty tight practice schedule. <laughs> like, we're kind of banging from drill to drill. So, like, they're real focused on we can't waste a lot of time. If we have five minutes or we got some time to work something, we get into that. So, um, from a starting point with a, the with a effort, work, you know, work level, those things, like, I've been really impressed with this group so far. And obviously, starting with JJ, like, you know, when your best players practices like he practices it's hard not to to follow suit so that that helps um but that, that's to me the starting point and then obviously as we get going with pads more and, and playing more then we'll really get into kind of who's showing up for real or not
4: yeah so uh, you know there wasn't a huge there were, you know we didn't pick a guy in the first round this year to help us up front we didn't sign a huge name free agent Um, I see the biggest step that this front can take is just the development of the third and fourth-year players because there's guys inside. um, You know, you look at um, Rashard Lawrence, you look at Leckie Fautou, Zach Allen, all these guys have flashed and shown that they can be good players, that they can make big plays when called upon. But I think everybody's looking for that level of consistency. What can you do to help some of these, you know, you say younger players, but at this point they're all veterans in this league and it's really time for um, each one of those players to take that next step how do you get that out of them
6: yeah I mean I agree number one um, and as a starting point I think those three players and again not to single everybody out but those three guys have probably had the best camps so far um, you know JJ's kind of in his own bracket um, but uh, you know so I have seen some progress from those guys already and I think you hit it Kyle the consistency level with those guys all those guys have talent and they've all flashed some real stuff and it's it's understanding that it's that's not enough you know what i mean that that it's got to be playing and play out and they've got to be reliable uh to whether it's being their gaps or knock guys back or simon sound or you know execute a pass rush whatever it is so um you know i think what what my goal is trying to be with all those guys the whole group but i mean some of those guys and in, in specifically is um just kind of free them up Um, and not let them overthink you know i think sometimes we get too much you know coaches we want to be smarter than everybody else and tell them all 100 million things and all these tips and this and that and at the end of the day like you know a guy like lecky's a giant man like put your hand down and get off the ball and knock somebody back like that's going to be the starting point so trying to kind of free those guys up to play a little bit faster and looser and not kind of slow them down with with over coaching some things that's kind of been my approach with those guys like you know zach's a little different he's a He's a really smart kid and he almost overthinks some things sometimes because he wants all the information, wants all the knowledge. So I'm really just trying to get all the group and, and you know, some of those guys fall in that category to, to just play faster and just kind of free them up to, to, to go be more aggressive playing-wise.
3: New defensive line coach, Matt Burke, joining us here on the Red Sea Reports. One of the big questions for this defense overall is just attacking the quarterback, the pass rush. How much can the defensive line help in that area? Because we've seen Zach Allen last year had his best year of his career. J.J. Watt's known to get after the quarterback. But not so much the outside, but maybe even that interior push up the middle coming from the D line.
6: Yeah, I mean, you know. I hope, I hope a lot, um, but you know, I always said, you know, and Kyle's played with a lot of guys. This front, you know, has always stemmed from the inside out. You know, when you go back to Kyle's playing days with Albert Haynesworth, and then to Endomic and Sue and McFarley, like just down the line, like all those guys, like it's it's the closest lane to the pat to the quarterback. You know what I mean? And then, you know, this league now where the ball's coming out so quick, you have to get on the quarterback quicker. You know what I mean? So like having guys that can rush on an interior from an interior line is is huge can really affect a quarterback and then the second part of it is you know everyone taught everyone like the third down rushes are the thing now and everyone you know sees these like great as third and eight and these exotic rushes but the majority of sacks are coming on first and second down and those are drive stoppers i mean if you really like look at it on third down a sack is essentially the same as a punt you get an incomplete pass or a sack like yeah there's some yardage but they're still punting the ball back to you right if but on first and second down, you get a sack on first down, and now it's second and 17. Like, statistically, like that kills drives as much as anything. you know. So early down sacks, first and second down sacks, when guys are just hitting their spots and it's not this exotic pass rush, like, again, those were interior guys can really affect play and really have an impact on those, those sort of stats.
4: So you cut your teeth uh, in this league being a linebackers coach. Um, now you've transitioned to coaching the real men on the defense. <laughs> um, I just want to know what that transition is like, and and you've had the benefit because I, 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 in my opinion, I played for the best two defensive line coaches in NFL history, and Jim Washburn and Chris Casserik. And hearing you talk, it's almost like hearing them talk. And and I completely agree that. Um, you know, they, I'll even go higher. Like defensive line plays eighty percent effort and attitude, and the twenty percent technique. Um, what do you take? Did you lean on them? Do you talk to them? And what other coaches did you lean on making that transition from being a linebacker coach or even a defensive coordinator, but now being a defensive line coach? Yeah,
6: I mean, I mean, you know, you've been around it. I mean, Coach Wash is is the OG. Yeah, I mean, he, he everything that I do and start with is foundationed in in what Coach Wash taught and. Um, not many people maybe even know this like his son who's a really close friend of mine uh who coached o-line league for a long time my first year when i transitioned in philly to the d-line uh jeremiah was my assistant we kind of were in the room together um and so like having him as a resource in a direct line to, to coach wash who i still text and talk to every day and then obviously chris is kind of you know his biggest disciple so that's sort of the, the tree i'm cut from that's mm-hmm. what i know um you know Schwartzy. you know as a um, as a coordinator, sort of ran that same sort of style. And that's when, you know, when he transitioned me to the D-line, asked me to, to do that, um, you know, he was basically like, you know what I want it to look like, you know how we want to play. And then that's kind of how I started. So uh, it's been cool for me. You know, it's a, it's different. There's there's different ways you got to coach some of those guys mm-hmm. and there's different things you got to do and, and stuff. But uh, it's been a cool challenge for me. I've really only transitioned probably the last three, four years into that role. So it's uh, it's been fun. But, yeah, I mean, I you know, I can't sing – Sing enough uh high praise for Jim Washburn.
3: The biggest difference where you are at right now compared to the days in Tennessee. <laughs> Kyle has told us about your accommodations within <laughs> yeah. the coaching offense. And is it true that your first office, and I'm gonna use air quotes yeah. here on the radio, was what, a broom closet? Yeah, a
7: storage closet. A storage
3: I guess. closet? Yeah,
6: when I got hired in Tennessee it was kind of a uh superfluous hire you know and there wasn't a room for me so they literally cleared out the closet and stuck me in it and you know for me I was 27 uh 27 I think at the time and I had no ties to to the league I just got a lucky break and so for me it was like I I didn't care I knew that was my shot and I was gonna just do whatever I need to do to stay in the league and uh to hold on with every fingernail i had so that like that didn't even concern me and these guys that that knew me back then i mean i just i didn't have any windows in my office i slept there half the nights and you know that's for me that's what it took like i knew i wasn't going to get another shot like i got a lucky break and i wasn't going to let it slide so i was happy to have a room and i was happy to have a desk and a computer and uh and obviously worked out hopefully Impress enough people along the way to kind of keep doing this for a little bit longer
3: well it's great to have you on board we'll have to get you back on the show so you can tell some stories about this gentleman i got plenty of k he's he's saying all that (laughs) high praise early i got plenty of kbb stories you want coach appreciate it and uh best of luck this season thanks for having me guys matt burke new cardinals defensive line coach as we continue here on the cardinals red Sea report presented by seek get your seat in a seat here on the arizona cardinals radio network
1: Second and 11 under center as Prescott. He takes, drops back to throw in trouble. Steps up, and he gets away from a Cardinal. Runs forward, fumbles the ball at the 40, and the Cardinals jump on it at the 44-yard line. Dak coughed it up, and it's recovered by Arizona. Dennis Gardek has the ball. Isaiah Simmons popped it out, recovered by Gardek. A huge play by Isaiah Simmons who came on the blitz and then missed the tackle attempt, but continued to follow Dak Prescott downfield and punch the pig out. What a play by number nine. Going back to
3: something head coach Cliff Kingsbury said late last season. Isaiah Simmons has got that, quote, wow play down pat. Now, as Kingsbury continued we got to figure out some of the first and second every down plays. He has a flair for the dramatic end quotes. And, yes, we saw Isaiah Simmons make a number of plays last season. It's the consistency from week one to week 17. As we welcome you back here, the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Greg Riolu and Kyle Vandenbosch here live from State Farm Stadium. It is Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. A special thank you once again to new defensive line coach Matt Burke. And, yes, we will try to make that happen, make uh, Coach Burke come back on the show for all the stories that maybe can't be told about one Kyle Vandenbosch but certainly would be loved to hear all right let's move it along kyle and talk about isaiah simmons because one of the big talking points this offseason was where number nine was going to be on the football field he played five different positions last season you asked coach joseph asked simmons during the offseason i'm a linebacker he's a linebacker he's going to play linebacker but i've maintained watching otas mini camp, and here in training camp he is not an inside linebacker. He has yet to do any drills, position drills, with either the inside or outside linebackers. And there's a good reason because we have finally found that Isaiah Simmons does have a home and it's going to be everywhere on the football field.
4: Right. Um I mean you said it earlier. He is a playmaker, so what do you do? You find ways to put him in position to make plays. Um, you don't take a guy like Isaiah Simmons put him in the box to take on fullbacks on ISO plays, you take advantage of what he does best. It's like you don't put a plow on a racehorse. You want him to just go. And he's instinctive and he's fast and he, he plays physical. And one of the things, you know, I really appreciate watching Vance Joseph and, And what he does defensively is he does a good job of identifying what his players' strengths are, what they do well, and puts them in a position to succeed. And he's shown that over the last two seasons. There's been um, guys who unexpectedly um, have a huge role in this defense because he finds a place for them. Well, Isaiah Simmons' role is to make a difference, make things happen, force turnovers, take uh, elite tight end out of the game, cover running backs out of the backfield. He can do all of those things really well because of his athleticism. And so, um, you know, I think they're still playing around a little bit to see how to best use him. Um, But you can be certain that, um, you know, he's not – going to be a guy that just plays in between the tackles. He's going, you need to use his speed and his range a lot like Buda Baker. I mean the way he closes on ball carriers is very similar. He's got that type of speed and that type of playmaking ability. Um, So, you know, I appreciate what they're doing. Um, And I think you know, we've talked about how um, defensive coordinators always need to account for DeAndre Hopkins when he's on the field. Um, Offensive coordinators um, need to account for Chandler Jones. I think Isaiah Simmons will be that guy this year where um, you you put a guy in practice and you put a red hat on him and you move him around so that the quarterback, the other team, has to always know where he is and they have to practice and they have to account for him because he can make that game-changing type play wherever he lines up. Simmons still has that linebacker distinction on the roster, whether that
3: gets changed or not. Well, we do know what he is being called. Here's Vance Joseph on that.
0: Right now, he's he's our star. You know, our star backer or, or safety, whatever you want to call him. Um, he's playing well. You know, but, but we'll see. That's what camps for you know, to kind of figure out how far we can go with him playing certain spots. A star backer is a guy that plays you know, linebacker, a little bit of safety, a little bit of dime. I mean, he's he's a star position, and in this scheme, it can be a lot of places.
3: In other words, you're going to see him, I think, at all three levels, maybe even up near the line of scrimmage, but as an edge rusher, maybe covering a tight end in the slot. Then you move him back to an outside linebacker, that second level, and then we've seen him play safety as well. Whatever is best needed for that particular week, that particular team, that particular play, that's where you're going to find Isaiah Simmons. And Kyle, that's what he did all in college. So he's used to it, and I think he's more comfortable being that guy that roams around looking to attack the football?
4: Yeah, I think you try to take away as much responsibility as possible and just let him go. Um, You know, what else it does is, you know, we've talked in the past about when you have a versatile tight end on your offense, how do you determine what personnel it is? You know, do you consider it 11 personnel personnel? Um, or 21 personnel, It's it's you don't know how to classify that tight end when he can block or he can split out. He can do so many things. And I think, um, you know, offensive coordinators are always looking to see what type of personnel you have on defense. Is this the base package? Is it nickel? Is it dime? But when you have a guy that can either be a linebacker or – be a safety or be, you know, your dime guy, um, it's difficult for offenses to match up and say, okay, this is the Packers they're going with, so here's the play we're going to check into or the play we're going to run because, you know, they have five DBs on the field. Well, he's not. He he. You don't know how they're using him on any given down, and it becomes difficult for offenses to plan for that. It's a good point
3: because we see that, substitution pattern a lot on defensive line because that's what's going to happen no defensive line is going to play 100 percent of the snaps but if you can keep what maybe eight nine defenders on the field for all three downs then all of a sudden yeah if you're Vance Joseph you've made life more difficult for the offense to try to figure out what are they going to do where's number nine what's Buda Baker going to do Jalen Thompson because everyone can move around and play at different levels
4: yeah it's um i actually heard this referred to this earlier today but it's like a game of chess between coordinators and isaiah simmons is your queen he can do so many different things and he's so valuable to a defense just because of his talent and his ability to be versatile and whether it be you know to play up in the box or in coverage he can do so many different things really well
3: isaiah simmons certainly is going to have a major role defensively zavin collins with this defense so far in training camp we have seen simmons excuse me we have seen collins and nick vigil as your two inside linebackers and with simmons and collins they're always going to be joined at the hip those two inside linebackers drafted in the first round in consecutive years so there is going to be a lot of comparing to be made amongst those two vance joseph however says that's an unfair comparison
0: I think when you compare Isaiah and Zaven that's, that's a bad comparison, right? You know, one's older, one's played more ball than the other. It's different positions now. I think Isaiah is on his way to being a great player. You know, he has to just obviously keep honing his skills and keep growing his football IQ. You know, I think Zavin has to play. You know, and thus far, from the spring to now, he's, he's played very well. You know, so knock on wood for Zavin, I mean, he's worked at it. His body's, his body's right, he's in great shape, and he's playing well. He's making very few mistakes, so I've been really proud of Zayvon.
3: Out of all that Coach Joseph had to say when he addressed the media late last week, talking about Zayvon Collins, quote, he's making very few mistakes. That... There were a lot of takeaways whenever Coach Joseph speaks, but that because you have a second-year inside linebacker who you invested a lot of draft capital in and you hope becomes the quarterback of the defense, whether he's actually calling the defense or not, might not matter. He needs to be on the football
4: field, but you can't be on the football field, Kyle, if you're making mistakes. No, that's exactly right, and that's that's good to hear. Um, you know, that's, that's just the maturation process, and the experience he got last year is paying dividends now um, you know, just looking at the two players, um, you know, Isaiah Simmons, he's the type of athlete you need to put in space, whereas Zayvon Collins, he's he's more of a physical in-the-box type true inside linebacker. I mean, he hits like a ton of bricks. Um, you know, now if he can just take the hesitation out of it and just go and play free and just, you know, just chase the ball um, from tackle to tackle, then I think that's more what they envision from him. And um, if I could circle back to Isaiah Simmons, because we talked about today's practice and how heated it was, Um, a lot's been made about his step into a leadership role of this defense. And you can see it. You can see him celebrating with other players. You can see him being a vocal leader out on the field. I mean, probably no player – Um, is out there talking more in a practice than Isaiah Simmons. And that's good to see. And that's the extra year of experience. I mean, quite honestly – Um, For me and for a lot of players, you're really trying to find your place and your role the first couple years in the league. But once you feel confident in yourself and your ability and your role in the defense, then it's your turn to take a step as a leader. And I can see just with my own eyeballs that step that Isaiah Simmons has taken becoming a leader on this defense.
3: So you're saying a year ago, two years ago, Isaiah would not have stepped up to D. hop as he did earlier today exactly
4: exactly i mean you, you got to know your place you haven't done anything in the league yet you know now he's got that experience he's started he's made some plays um he's become a, you know a guy on this defense and so you get that voice and you get that confidence and and that will serve the entire defense well not just him making plays but his leadership role in the defense no question the growth of isaiah simmons from year
3: one to now here entering year three and Bird Gang, if you want to be a part of it, azcardinals.com for the list of open practices here at State Farm Stadium. In fact, all practices this week open to the public. Just go to azcardinals.com for more details. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: 25-yard line. Murray off play action. Going deep for Hollywood. Got it! Good Touchdown, Sooners! 75 yards to one of the fastest guys on the field.
3: Yes, Spur Gang, that is the voice of Dave Pash. He has called a Kyler Murray to Hollywood Brown touchdown back in 2018 when both were teammates at oklahoma and of course dave the voice college football voice for espn but how many times now kyle are we expected to hear dave hash along with ron wolfley call kyla murray to hollywood brown in a cardinals uniform on sundays and not
4: on saturday uh, I'm gonna put the number at 20. That'd be pretty good, right? 20 touchdown catches <laughs> no, for Hollywood be, Brown. Yeah. No, I like nice. that. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I here's what I love. Um, you know, everybody thinks that Kyler's this mobile quarterback and he's so dangerous because of what he does with his legs. Um, you know, in my opinion, very few, maybe two or three quarterbacks in this league throw as good of a deep ball as Kyler Murray. I mean, he's really got a cannon and he can put the ball in a rope. Um, and, and I feel like um, they, they haven't been able to take advantage of that. Um, now you have a guy who is a true burner, um, can stretch the field, um, really eat up grass in a heartbeat, and get that separation. So it just adds a whole new dimension. Um, and on top of that, when you have receivers with speed, um, you know, your safeties are going to play a little bit deeper. you gotta, you got to play off the ball a little bit more. You know, whether you're throwing it deep every play or not, Um, The defense has to respect it, and that opens up so many other things for this offense.
3: By the way, the updates on Hollywood Brown for fans that have been following here, Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. Brown activated off the non-football injury list. He did make a brief appearance this morning, and according to head coach Cliff Cliff Kingsbury, there is a slow ramp-up to getting him to full speed he has not been on the field at all at the start of training camp because of a hamstring injury that he suffered during workouts prior to reporting so that is the update on Hollywood Brown just good to see number two back with his teammates also good for wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson to have Hollywood Brown available his first impressions of the Cardinals newest acquisition as coach Jefferson addressed the media on Monday
7: when he stepped on the field the first day, his speed just jumped off the charts. I mean, it's like um, I would really like to see him and Rondell race. You know, that'd be something to see. But his his speed, and and I was really really pleased with how well he uh, he picked up the offense. You know what I'm saying? And um, I just can't wait till he he gets out there. And I keep telling myself every time, okay, this Hop, that's AJ, and then and, oh, okay, Hollywood hasn't been, been out there yet. He brings a total different dynamic to the group. I mean, talking about stretching the field. You brought up
3: that exact point, Kyle, but in reference to Rondell Moore, which this team had a year ago. I don't think they utilized him in that manner. But you got Rondell Moore on one side, Hollywood Brown on the other, or maybe they're next to one another. But you're talking about two
4: speed demons. Not a lot of offenses have one, let alone two. No, that's right. Um, Again, um, you know, with these two guys able to stretch the field, um, I just feel like um, – not only does it help Kyler so much, it helps coach Cliff Kingsbury call this offense. I feel like it opens up so many things. Um, you know, not only does do most teams not have that one speed guy, let alone two. Um, most teams don't have one or two corners that can cover speed guys like that, that are able to run with them down the field. And you're able to take advantage of matchups and move them around the field and, and get them on a guy that can't run with them. So um, you know, I think it really um, opens up this offense. I think um, the ability to stretch the field, the the home run threat. Um, you know, it is what every defensive coordinator um, loses sleep over. Is you know, you if you're a defensive coordinator and you give up a 15 play drive, um, you know, it's it's not it's not a great scenario. But it's those one play drives, those two play drives that just kill you and it kills your team. Um, and This just adds it. I mean, you've got, again, two guys that can not only get deep in a hurry, they can catch a short pass, stick their cleat in the ground, and get vertical and gain a lot of yards in a heartbeat. So um, it's going to be fun to watch.
3: The encouraging part so far at training camp is, while we wait for Hollywood Brown, is to see Rondell Moore being moved around, not just inside but outside, not just on the left side, but on the right side as well. And that's part of what the plan was talked about in the offseason with Rondell Moore getting him more involved. Now we're seeing it come to fruition more about an expanded role for the second year wide receiver.
7: Here's Sean Jefferson. What we did this year starting OTAs, we played him outside and inside. So he's gotten work at both. Uh, X and, and the H inside. So you guys are going to see him in a bunch of positions. I mean, even in the backfield, coming out the backfield and stuff like that. So he can, he's one of those guys that can do it all, man. He's, uh, he's quick. He's, he's very sure-handed, um, make guys miss after the catch. So, um, you know, last year we kind of used him in kind of, you know, jet sweeps and bubbles and stuff like that. But now the offense is totally wide open for what he can do for us this year.
3: I always go back when we talk about Rondell Moore, his rookie season one. It was difficult for him to get on the field because of the talents ahead of him on the depth chart. But in his usage and next-gen stats, Rondell Moore averaged 1.1 yards of targeted air yards, meaning his catches came either behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, or a yard or two in front of, of the line of scrimmage that can't happen in year two. And I don't think it's going to, especially with the talent that this offense has, as far as playmakers, you're going to see Rondell Moore run that vertical game.
4: Yeah. And I think, um, again, um, you know, his usage became a bit predictable last year. He was basically a running back, you know, just um, getting the ball near or at the line of scrimmage and trying to get some yards out in space. Um, But, you know, just like we talked about with Isaiah Simmons in the defense, um, Coach Jefferson's talking about moving him around, putting him in different places, running different routes and doing different things with him. You become really unpredictable on offense as well um, with a guy who, you know, has so many tools and so much ability to do some dynamic things with the ball in his hand. So, um, you know, it, I'm just so excited about the season because we don't know. Um, we don't know so much, but. It sounds like the coaches are really experimenting and moving guys around and trying some things that I'm not sure they haven't nailed down how they're going to use all these players yet, Um, but they're trying to get creative. They're trying to be unpredictable, and they're making it really hard for an opponent to prepare for them.
3: I'll go back to what Kingsbury said on Monday. There was too much, quote, status quo as far as the offense. When DeAndre Hopkins was out, they figured they'd just plug in Whomever, and then you could run the same offense without DeAndre Hopkins. You can't. Nope. And I think this team, this coaching staff here in year three, now is figuring out, all right, we have all this talent. How do we best maximize that talent, regardless of who's available who's
4: not? Yeah, you can't. You, you might have a great game and really you know, dominate, both offensively and defensively, but you can't just cut and paste that game plan into the next week and expect it to work. There's too many people that are really smart, Too many people that spend countless hours preparing and breaking down film and finding a way to stop what you do. So you yourself have to be ahead of it. You don't let other people adjust to you. You get ahead of it and you become unpredictable week to week and cater your game plan to what's going to work against that opponent.
3: Week two of Cardinals training camp, powered by Cox, continues all week long. Every practice open to the media. Go to azcardinals.com. We will check back with you in one week's time here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to Jim Omohundro, Zach Larson. For Kyle Bosch. I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.